Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome back to Rate Don't Hate, the show where we take apart the performances of the players in specific games and obviously taking on board all of the ratings that the Anfield Index Pro subscribers give for the players as well. I'm joined by a a, a resident staple on this podcast, Mr. Guy Drinkle. Guy, welcome back to the show first and foremost. And what are your initial thoughts on that Liverpool-Watford 2-0? Was it? What was the score on that one? It was 2-0, yeah. It was, it was that long right? ago. Yeah. It was that long ago. That's how good the game, game was today. That's how good the game was. Yeah. It's because it, I, pre- I, I predicted 2 0 on a tad predictable uh, cheap plug. And now I was like, there's no way that was too good to be true that it, it, it worked out like that as well. But anyway, what were your initial I thoughts? Like um, yeah, it was just a, ha- it was a half 12 kickoff after an international break to a T. Um, Watford. You kind of wish it was Claudio Ranieri's Watford, but no, it's the Hodges. And it was that type of game. It was a bit boring. They pretty much played with 12 men behind the ball and played on the counter-attack, which they did quite well. I think the big opportunities everyone's bigged up, other than Liverpool fan, I think both were probably offside. They were tight, but that's what our bread and butter is, is tight offsides. Um, but, yeah, we, we as soon as we scored the first goal, I don't think it was ever in doubt and... For me, as once we get into it, but it's a sub. But as soon as we brought on Fabinho, we were winning. It was like 
Yeah. We're winning this game. As soon as Fabinho came on, we were winning. I was like, yeah, job done. We've won. So, yeah, it was just a very, it was it was a pretty awful game. But we, at this stage, if we had eight more of them or seven more of them, how many goals have got in the Premier League, that, I'd take them every day of the week. Definitely. And as you say, it's kind of that, okay, we're not messing around anymore when you bring on Fabinho. It's like, okay, we're going to control this game and just shut everything down. But yeah, some some good performances that stuck out in this game. Some not so good performances, and I'm I'm interested to get into those. Um, we start as we always do from the back going forwards, and this was an, a, a difficult rating for me to give for Alison Becker because, as you mentioned, um, you know, in your initial thoughts of the game, he did have crucial saves in this game. But I thought, you know, especially the two that were talked about. Watford players were offside. So do we credit Allison for making those saves? I guess I ended up landing on the fact that he didn't know that they were offside because the flag never came up mm-hmm. at any point in time. So he just went and executed the job that needed to be done on that basis. Um, so I've, I've given Allison a nine. Uh, perhaps it, it might be a bit too generous. I've seen you've given him an eight in this one. I thought... Considering he didn't know um, that the players weren't offside, and you know we know there's been controversy when it comes to drawing of the lines. In any case, maybe they were onside. Who knows with 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 the the way that who knows um, who's VAR... paid into what bank account? <laughs> <laughs> Whether the check cleared in time, you, you just never know at this point in time, mm. really. Um, but what what did you make of his performance? From my perspective, this is this is the Allison that I need and want. Um, going into the the business side of of the season, where in games where it's nil nil, he keeps it nil nil long enough for us to figure it out and sort out if we've got anything sluggish going on. And then when we're leading, he makes sure we hold on to that lead long enough for us to then go get that comfortable second goal to make it a lot more comfortable. Um, was that the same thing for you in, in your in your thought process of his performance? Yeah, basically, I've just got to echo what you said. That he's just—he's just the best keeper in the world, and he—he he just is. Like, I only watch the Premier League, but Edison's not on his level. He's—he's he's the only other good goalkeeper in the league. Um, I Mendy could Mendy could do stuff like that, but Mendy will then go like try and charge out and tackle someone 50 yards. I suppose Edison does that as well. But he's just the most all-round goalkeeper in the world. I think Neuer's probably the only one who's been that full package, but Neuer is, I think he's late for he's now. But he is he's just different gravy. He just really is different gravy. He's just like you compare him to the last Premier League great, which was probably De Gea, who's still really good at certain aspects, but He's got all the sh- he's got the shot stopping of De Gea. He's got the sweeping of Edison. I don't think he's quite as good with the ball at his feet as Edison, but he's still very good with that. So he's just well on crosses. There's no one better. I think he's got the claiming of Courtois or whatever the hell you want to say. He, he is literally the most all round goalkeeper in the world. And I think if you if you go from world great goalkeepers, you go from Neuer, you go straight to Allison. I think that's how you got to look at. It. He's just. He's probably the most, in terms of like all the football fandom, he's probably the most underappreciated player going. Because I think people will argue Mendy's better, Edison's better, and 
Courtois, whoever, Neuer, you can get on board with because he's an all-timer. But for me, you just look at him and just like, I, I wouldn't train it, trade him for any other goalkeeper in the world. I wouldn't even like enter into a conversation with it. He is just perfect. And yeah, even if they were offside, even if he saw the referee flagged and he was a million miles offside, he'd probably still want to make the save just to have one up on the striker. <laughs> that, that's probably the best stuff about him. But no, he, I give him an eight. He just didn't have loads to do. But if that, um, is it Kuka? Kucha? How do you pronounce his name? The one yeah. who's the stupidest, <laughs> the stupidest penalty ever. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great save from him. Uh, there was a couple of us, but that, that was the main one because we went up straight up, up the field and scored. I mean, if it was flagged up, we wouldn't have scored. So <laughs> Allison, Allison started that attack. Give him another assist. Why not? Uh, but he started that attack with a save. So yeah, perfect. Perfect, and I only give him an eight because he didn't have loads to do, but he's just the perfect goalkeeper. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed his performance. As I said, that's so much that I gave him a nine in this game. I thought, I, I, as I always say, this is the reason why you, you pay for an Allison is he's not going to be asked to do a lot in terms of volume, but in terms of importance, every save he makes is going to be important because it's going to, you know, result in us being able to go and win games or draw games that we sh- should have lost or some, something like that. It, it always seems like he steps up in these big moments and he's playing well. So it was good to see him continue that momentum. And go, we'll move on to, uh, you know, two players that are gaining momentum in terms of as a centre-back pairing. Now, when Kanata came in at the beginning of the season, Maybe Matip, you wouldn't have expected to have played this many games this season, um, especially with the with the injury record mm-hmm. that he did have at Liverpool. But he's slotted in so well next to Van Dijk. Um, and obviously we know what Konate brings, but he's still quite young. I think it's worked well, uh, Matip being robust this season, because it's allowed Konate to come in quietly get his feet underneath him, start to build chemistry with those around him without any pressure of being the number one centre-back next to Van Dijk. So I've enjoyed Matip from that perspective. In this game, you've gone with solid sevens for both Matip and Van Dijk. Can't really separate them too much in this game. I don't think one did more than the other from a defensive perspective. Um, I suppose maybe some people will knock Matip down because he didn't have one of his galloping runs. And that's kind of half the reason people pay to go watch Liverpool games. If if if, if the sources are to be believed is Why to go watch Matip. Why anyone Sky, to be honest, just in general? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's a fair result. I mean, it, it's definitely well worth the entry fee, at least half of it, I think, uh, to see Matip galloping up and down the field. But alas, he, he didn't grace us with that in this game. Although, albeit a solid defensive performance, and again, it, it then brings that conversation of those chances that Watford had that were, in my opinion, offside. I think they've then done their job. <laughs> so I gave them eights, both. You've given them sevens, both. But I, I don't think it's so far apart in terms of um, scores and, and maybe the thought process in giving those. I thought in those situations where the chances end up being talked about so much because... It was so close to being onside, but they actually play the line brilliantly to make the players just offside is as impressive as 
running back and doing a last-ditch block. The fa- the discipline that they're showing with that line um, in, in, in a league that has very good uh, forwards in it, I think has been exceptional. And it showed in this game just how disciplined they can be, where I don't necessarily have to do last-ditch sliding tackles. I can also defend by keeping a really good line. And I thought that was a really important thing to establish. I mean, they've established it throughout the season, but maybe then to emphasize it in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I think you kind of just got to treat both centre-backs as the same in this one, really. As you say, the line was just really disciplined. There was, a, I think, watching it live, the the couple chances you'd think, ooh, I'd, I'd, I'd need like a better camera angle and stuff like that, but I think they've came out on Twitter since, and it, it, they'll look pretty clearly offside, even if you do need the lines and stuff from VAR. But discipline's the word, yeah, I think. I think we've developed this system because Van Dyke just can't be bothered running. <laughs> he just catches everyone offside, just like, yeah, I'm not running. <laughs> not for me, mate. Um, and Matty Bunny runs forward, as, as we say. Not not this game, obviously, but yeah, that's why you never get... That's why Matty don't get a 10 until he scores his worldie. Um, but yeah, it, them two just... They're, they're just so in sync. And that's been the probably... It's not right. It's not been an issue because our defence has been great since Van Dyke walked in the door, but... We've not really had a consistent partner for him. Obviously, the mythical uh, Gomez-Van Dijk um, partnership, which looked like to be on for an all-timer level of goals conceded, that that was so good but short-lived. Lovren was never the answer because even with Van Dijk, it, it was still worse than the other two. Kanata, as you said, 30, 35-odd mil. It's not. Well, it's massive money in in human terms, but in football, it's not exactly like we went out and signed another Van Dyke. We signed a project centre back, but at the same time, you're thinking we just went through that entire season like the previous season with centre back issues. Maybe this is the guy just sticking with Van Dyke and let it go. But Matip, as you say, main issues were always fitness wise, and I am touching my desk. I will run outside and touch a tree. All the wood. Um but yeah, he's he's not had a, a big injury yet. He's I think he's I think he ill I think was he or not I think he had COVID, if I remember correctly, but he's not had the big injury yet, but we could say that about a few, but I won't I will not test fate on any other players. Um but yeah, that's why Matip's probably had his best season for us. It's just being available. That's always been the issue for him. Even pre Van Dyke, he was people compared him to Lover and stuff, but he was clearly our best centre back. Um Pre Van Dyke, and yeah, it's it, it's good to see him having this run. And Champions League final tomorrow. Well, there, there is a Champions League game tomorrow, but if we had a final tomorrow, then them are the two you'd pick. And it, it, whilst we're on it, it, it is good because we can kind of hand pick games for Canate where it's easy opposition like Man United or something like that, <clears throat> and he can laugh at Fred, which was one of the best moments of the season. Um, but yeah, like it, for instance. I wouldn't be surprised if Kanata plays against Benfica tomorrow, just randomly. But uh, yeah, Matip's been excellent in this season, and both of them were just really disciplined, as you say. So I went for a seven for both of them. Interesting stuff. And yeah, with regards to, I, I was floating between a seven and an eight, and you know, they, um, I did get pushed back when I was discussing um, my ratings with with a fellow fan, in that they were they were arguing that. Um, some of the offensive chances that we got in terms of set pieces, Van Dyke and Matt didn't capitalize on them too much. I mean, it, it, I think the most glaring one is obviously the Van Dyke one. 
where he tries to head it into the top corner pretty much and he, and, he, and it goes over the bar but d- did you feel that was a huge um you know thought process going into your ratings is could they have done a little bit better maybe with some of the set pieces that we did get and the opportunities they themselves got in inside the other team's box I think you always think that when your centre backs are six foot six and Van Dijk, who is a monster, um, I think you always think that. But I'm not going to mark down a centre back for not scoring. Like I can't even, to be honest, I can't even remember the Van Dijk thing. I remember Jota's free header, which you should have done better with. But no, I think I think with Van Dijk and Matip, I think it's nice when they score. But I think not their main role. But when when two lads are that big, you just think you're there to occupy two people each. Because you can't really, unless they've got, I don't know, Kurt Zuma's a bit of a monster. Um, Chelsea centre-backs aren't really monsters. Or Ruben, Ruben Diaz. There's not many centre-backs or defensive players who you'd think could one-on-one mark both of them players. So you, they're there to occupy people. And I think that's why you see, not off, not really off corners, but Bobby used to score off corners, if I remember correctly. Jota gets the odd one. I think that's why you just see random people scoring off corners rather than our centre-backs quite often. But, uh, yeah, ju- just their presence alone, I think. Although I still don't believe it. I think we're still the top scorers off set pieces, whether that's wide free kicks and corners or just corners. Um, yeah, for the amount of times we hit the front man, front man on a card, it still amazes me that that's true. But, uh, yeah, I think they're more to just be a presence when we go, th- but obviously a threatening presence, which sometimes leads to goals. But, yeah, I, d- I don't even remember the free header miss, for instance. Definitely. And you speak about, you know, hitting the front man and, and, and that kind of stuff. Well, Joe Gomez was having none of that nonsense. Mm. I mean, he deputizes at right back, obviously not his favorite position. And I think he said as much in the post-match interview where, you know, he admits I, I am a centre-back and I prefer to play there, but if that's the role that the team's going to ask me to play, I'm I'm going to try my best. Uh, you know, he, he even went on to say that he's not Trent Alexander-Arnold, but he'll do the best version that he can. And boy, did he imitate Trent with that cross for the Jota assist. Um, Robertson on the other side, um, obviously... Always energetic, always looking to be, you know, creative and involved. Had the third most touches, um, our centre backs actually had the most touches. Matip with one fifteen, Van Dyke with one thirteen, Robertson at one o three in terms of touches, and then just out of interest sake, Gomez was ninety six. So he was up there as well. But what did you make of the two backs' uh, performances? And then, obviously, you know, you've gone eight for Gomez and a seven for Robbo. I think that 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 assist definitely bumped up um, Gomez. Mm-hmm. And that just for me, his overall performance, he also added the height um, from a defensive standpoint that we might not always get on that right-hand side. So we know teams like to put the balls in behind um, our fullbacks and and have them turning around and chasing back and stuff, but when Gomez is there, he just heads it straight back and it's like, oh shit, that that's one of our game plans gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is because people do target Trent, whether it's the space to leave or they think he's a worse defender than than Robbo. But um, yeah, I'll start with I'll start with Robbo, get the boring one out of the way. I think he just had the tougher of the jobs, so I think he had less freedom to get forward as he usually does because Sarah. Uh, they weren't playing Dennis, obviously, so Sal was obviously going to be their main threat. I, I quite like that Kucho Hernandez, but he's just not. He's not. Um, Ismail Sal. Um, 
so yeah, I think he had a, not a quiet game going forward because he did pop up in the box. I think one of Joe Gomez's crosses, if I remember correctly, was um, was going towards him. Um, and I don't remember any like amazing crosses or chances created from him. I might be misremembering because I have not slept <laughs> that much recently. Um, <laughs> Two nights in a row. Yeah, it's not going well. Um, but yeah, it's it. I think it was just more of if you lock down Sar. Uh, Jao Pedro is more of a seems like more of a Bobby type player where he's trying to create stuff for the other players and Hernandez, from what I've seen it's a moment of magic type player at the minute um, and the midfield has Musa Sissoko in so they're not going to do much although Kuka should have probably well, he should have scored an offside goal as we said earlier um, but Robert, yeah, I just went with a 7 he locked, he locked down Saar pretty well, I don't remember him doing too much not loads going forward but again, nice and solid um, Gomez, I went with an 8 the assist does help, but he put in three or four wicked Trent-like crosses. And considering he's a centre-back who it, he's had like a couple half-seasons at right-back when he was rotating with Trent and at left-back because, you know, why not, uh, under Brendan, um, he's ju- he was just excellent. Like, the crossing's always been the issue. Like, we know he can pass from centre-back. That was one of, it wasn't even one of his biggest strengths, but it was, certainly was a strength of his. Um, but the crossing is just something you don't really see from a centre back, and it, it, it's fantastic. That I mean, the one for the goal is fantastic. That Robbo one I mentioned, I think there was another one I can't remember who it was too. Um, and defensively he was really good as well, which you'd expect from Gomez at right back. But just in general playing, and I think you got to consider, which may spoil a couple of our ratings later on, who he was playing with on the right hand side, and two of our worst performers were Curtis Jones and Mo Salah. So he had no one to combine with. So he was basically handling that right-hand side on his own. Um, so yeah, I, it's really impressive from Gomez. Like I, I've said on other pods, and on, I think I said it on Twitter, like if he wants to go, sell him. But it's, I just really like. I've always liked Gomez. I've always thought there's a player there, and his partnership with Van Dijk, as I mentioned, was just mythically good at the at the time. I just hope he stays. If he if he's alright splitting his minutes between right back and centre back when we can, it, it's spot on for me. It, he's a really good player, and I think the more he's played, because obviously he came back from the huge injury, I think the better he's got, whether whatever positioning he is. Because there was a couple of games in the the League Cup where you're thinking, oh my god, uh, he looked kind of finished, but the injury was huge, man. Um, and these last few games at right back have just he's kind of it's impossible to look Trent esque, but Considering as a centre back, I think that's as Trent esque as you can from a centre back, to be honest. And an assist, and probably should have at least had one more. Yeah, re- really good and eight, eight for me. And yeah, he's he's a he's a fantastic player, and people have forgotten that due to injuries, and it's a shame, really. It really is a shame. I, I was speaking to some Spurs fans as well, and I was saying, if if I'm Spurs, I'm going all out for Joe Gomez. Absolutely. Um, I Didn't think he would be off. perfect for them. <laughs> yeah. But um, hopefully they don't. Hopefully he stays and, and feels that he can still get not only team um, accolades and goals and reaches ambitions with us from that perspective, but also from an individual perspective as well, of course, for him. But Guy, we'll move on to midfield. It was interesting. Obviously, Hendo started the six in this one, kind of. Um, they were, I thought they were rotating with Thiago a lot. Six. 
<laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was saying, you know, they, they kind of shared that load with Thiago uh, a lot of the times, and then uh, Curtis Jones in there as well. You've gone, you've gone four, five, and eight uh, for the scores in this one, and I'll, I'll give a second for listeners to try and figure out who's got the four, who's got the five, and mm-hmm. who's got the eight in this one. So definitely, Thiago's four different... was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely different levels of um, of execution in midfield from from the the, the players there. Um, I'll give you an indication from. I know the Liverpool Echoes got a seven for for Henderson, an eight for Thiago, and a five for Curtis Jones. Um, for Henderson, they've said he struggled a little to protect his back four first half and didn't always use the ball accurately, but improved second half and whipped in some dangerous deliveries. Um, an eight for Tiago, they've said, wild the crowd with one no-look pass for Jones, mm. close with volley from range, and passing pulled Watford all over the place, excellent, and then full stop subbed. I, I don't know why the fact that he got subbed. But anyway, um, it seems like they, they mention everyone <laughs> that does get subbed. But anyway, um, and then the five they gave for Curtis Jones says, diligent work in midfield, but lack of quality when in possession and too often made the wrong choice. Not his best day, full stop, subbed. Um, Guy, Mm -hmm. if you could now reveal who got the four, who got the five, who got the eight, and talk us through, um, let's start from the top going down. Who got the eight? Um, and and then discuss what you thought of their performance, and we'll move on to who got the five and who got the four. Yeah, Thiago got the eight because he played in midfield on his own for quite a bit <laughs> for quite a bit <laughs> of the game. Um, he he was just phenomenal. Like he had that one mad moment where he tried to skin like three people, then did a blind back pass. But other than that, he he was just phenomenal. Like really good defensively. As I say, midfield didn't really play well collectively so he was doing quite a lot of that on his own um till fab came on obviously um that pass the no look one where like an inch either way and it goes to a watcher player is just <laughs> mm, chef's kiss Mwah. It was, that was just absolute filth um but it, it, that's just the eye catching stuff. He he was doing cl- like <clears throat> the through ball on the left where it was a really good tackle by uh, I can't remember the defender. I think it might be Sissoko actually. Um, it, it like stuff like that just forcing the issue. Considering as I mentioned, the midfield as a collective struggle, just to still be able to do your job defensively and impact the game in such a way like that. He he, he was just phenomenal. Um, and I feel like I should have went higher. But he got subbed. <laughs> he got subbed with two minutes to go, whatever it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I almost feel like I should have given him a nine or something. But he he was he was just filthy. It's hard to explain because we've not really had a player like that for a while. Like it's not. It is probably Xabi Alonso you got to go back to. But I wasn't exactly young. But I wasn't really watching football like I do now. Um, but Gerard. Gerard was careful then, but he played a lot higher, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's just something that fans in the 20s or certainly teenage fans probably won't have seen um, at this club because our, our midfield has been so much workman, so much more workman like that recently. Um, but, yeah, he is just phenomenal. Like, ugh, people doubted how good he is. 
Like even now, if you went on like football Twitter and try to ask neutral fans and they asked who's the best centre mid, to be like Pogba, and then you say, well, Thiago's better than Pogba. Like so's Jordan Henderson, James Milner, to be honest. But you know, but they, they'd probably laugh at you if you dared to say Thiago is better than Paul Pogba, who's one of the biggest flops going. It, it's just amazing. The again, almost similar to what I said about Allison, the disrespect this bloke's got because he had a dodgy start where we had no centre backs or midfield to play with him. In the start of his career, it really is like a first impression never goes, and it it's just strange. But it, yeah, I I don't even say he's settled in. It's settling in. It, he is settled in now. He's a phenomenal player, and it, this game is just it's just fantastic. Really good to see him put in that performance. Um, I went with an eight as well. I thought he was solid. Yeah, you know, I think you take those kind of. Um, the 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 blind back pass that he um, that sliding pass he tried to make because he can then pro- uh, produce those shoeless tying passes to Jones. It, it's similar to what when Allison, you know, concedes a goal because he got pressured and the guy got to block a, a kick that he was trying to make. Like it's a goalkeeper that plays with the ball at his feet. It's going to happen at some point in time. It just it won't happen often, so that's fine. We'll win more points with it. Same with Thiago. There are going to be times where, like the Arsenal game, where the back pass doesn't always work out. Um, but it, it, in the end, we weren't punished for it, and, and that's the important thing. I think you take the you take those risky things because he gives so much with those risky situations. I, I thought he controlled uh, the game really well, was always looking to be involved. Um, I mentioned that the centre-backs had the most touches. Um, Thiago was, um, after Robertson, it was Thiago, then Joe Gomez. So he was dropping deep, which is kind of what I, I was alluding to with the mm-hmm. um, sh- um, the shifting of the responsibilities with him and Henderson, because often it was Thiago that was coming back to go look for that that ball off of the center backs to try and start attacks. Whereas usually we see that more from the six at, at times. Um, mm-hmm. But especially when Henderson plays the six, I think that was a big complaint about him was he was taking the ball literally off the feet of the center backs. I didn't see that from Henderson <laughs> no, no. this time around. Um, so that, that was interesting to see. Uh, and then we've got fives and fours here, Guy. Um, I, do you want to reveal who got the five, who got the four? Or should Or should I go on? No, I'll jump in at Henderson. He got the five. Um, he obviously played longer. He did improve when Fabinho came on, and he, he went back to his usual position, to be fair. Maybe five's a tad half, but as you say, first half especially, as the Echo um, bit said, he, he was so panicked on the ball. Like I know Henderson, his detractors say he's awful on the ball, and it's stuff like, it's games like this where that, narratives come from. He's not the more, he's not Thiago on the ball. He's not Ginny Vinealdum on the ball. He's not Naby Keita, he's not Fabinho. But he can but he can pass. He's not the best under pressure, which is kind of what I'm alluding to. But he's not he's I don't think he's that bad under pressure. Like <clears throat> even when there's like space, like he was there was loads of, like there was often situations in this game where there was space to turn and he just passed it back to the centre backs and it's like They've got twelve men behind the ball. We need we need your midfield to do stuff. I don't care if you're the six or playing in a two or playing in a three or whatever. Just turn. You can you're very good at passing the ball, Henderson. Probably one of the things you don't get credit for. You're good at passing the ball. Turn. Just turn. 
And then there was that, do you remember that one where he kind of, he just hoofed it backwards for no reason? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, he just had a really weird game. As I said, he looked better when Fabinho came on, but so did the entire team. Um, it it was just a very strange, panicked game from Henderson. And yeah, I still think he's better suited to play the six than the eight nowadays, but this game didn't really help that cause because he's just not had the best season. I think even Henderson's biggest fans would, would admit to that. He's not really, he's not had the best season, as I say, but it just, it's not even like a game to game thing. It just, it's just constantly very meh. And I think that's kind of where we are at the minute. It's you—you you obviously won't get dropped. Um, well, we don't really have the options to drop him, really. Um, obviously, Elliot came back from his injury. Um, got to protect him. Jones will come on to win a second. If we ever see Naby Keita, Fabinho, and Thiago in the midfield together for for more than half an hour, the world will implode. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tough one with Henderson. I just thought he was just really panicky. He didn't really do his job great defensively. Um, like run, like people run it like that. Kuchka chance. Their midfielder running off the back of our midfield, and it is that side. And I am going to touch on Jones doing that as well. So don't worry about that. He was just very panicky. Panicky's the word. He, he just really was panicky, and maybe getting less involved when he went to the eight kind of helps him. And then you can play play in more space in the wide areas and stuff because he. He can occasionally put in a good cross, um, just not to the back post in in front of the box, as as we know, because he does that a hundred times a game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a very strange game from Henderson. It's five, maybe a tad harsh, but I just got the difference between him and Thiago, and then we'll talk about the subs when Fab came on as well. Um, who I should have put up, I forgot. I, I just remembered Fabinho scored. I should have went high on my rating for him, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's uh, it was a it was a poor game for me for Henderson. Yeah, look, I, I went with the six for Henderson. Um, I, I do get the frustrations because I remember um, turning to the people I was watching the game with, mentioning the fact that okay, he needs to just calm down a bit on the ball. Because especially when we were one 0 up, there was a there was a time when Watford started to try and put up a fight, and I was like, okay, we just need to slow the game down here, um, pass it around a little bit, and take that fight out of them, like kind of just knock the stuffing out of them, not necessarily in goals, but just by dominating possession. And he kept just kicking the ball away, and I was like, there's no one near you, dude. Just look up, you'll be fine. I swear. Um, so yeah, I, I do note that. But in terms of everything else in his game. I thought he was fine. Look, obviously, um, you know, playing the two positions, you know, people have different opinions of on how good he is on, you know, as a six or as an eight. But in terms of just getting chances for players, I thought he created a few chances, not, not great, you know, glaring chances, but I thought he did. And he was covering space a little bit. He was a little bit more aware defensively than he usually is at times for me. So I thought it was an improved performance for him. Continued the um, the improvement in terms of, you mentioned he hasn't had a great season, but it's gotten better as the season has gone on. And I thought this was another step in that direction. Obviously not a, an outstanding performance, but a good one. What I really enjoyed from him was the the kind of accuracy he had with the amount of long balls he did. Like, like okay, he he had 
I'm looking at the stats now. He had seven um, accurate long balls. He um, what you could, he attempted twelve, but I think usually we're expecting the elevens and twelves for the likes of Thiago and Van Dyke. So I thought it was interesting that he took that role up a bit more in this game. Again, maybe because they were sharing the, that responsibility with Thiago as the six. But I thought it was an okay performance. Not not a horrible performance. I've seen worse from him this season, uh, which is why I didn't go mm-hmm. lower than the six. Um, but yeah, in terms of, and I'll move on to the one you've given a four. Um, I've given him a three. Uh, oh, dear, mate. Let's, I know, I know. Look, let's see. Okay, the Echo gave Curtis Jones a five. Um, for me, it just wasn't his game. And mm. players will have those type of games, more so young players. Young players are going to have games where it's nothing is going right for them. I thought his decision-making cost us a couple of goals in this one. It, he, when he was Jesus. meant to be shooting, Jesus. he was passing. Mm. When he was meant to be passing, he was shooting. It was just not working out for him, especially in that final third. And all I could think throughout the game, and maybe it's what led to a bit of a confirmation bias in me landing with that three out of ten, was the entire game I just kept thinking, this poor guy needs a season out on loan where mm. he's a starter at, at a club um, and he's given an opportunity to have these bad games and still know he gets to play the next game. Whereas at Liverpool, if he's having a bad game, it's almost like he tries to... Oxlade-Chamberlain does this a lot as well, where if the game doesn't start well for him, he almost then tries to make up for it um, as the game goes on because he knows I'm not playing in you know for the next two or three games, so I, I, I really need to capitalize here. Whereas if he's out on loan, at least that weight will be off his shoulder to say, okay, I, I'm having a bad game. Let me see through this one. It's fine. I've got the next game to try and sort it out. And maybe that will allow him to not force things too much. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he goes out on loan next season. And I say that in the caveat of, of us having enough oh, players okay. to make us competitive yeah. for next season. But hopefully he gets a, a loan out um, next season. I think that will help his development quite a bit. But, yeah, I gave him a three. You gave him a four. The, the Echo gave him a five. So it, it, it went up. Um, it, it went up. Depending on depending on which rating you read first, it, it could have been okay, it could have been really bad from my perspective. And as we say with these ratings, I don't know Curtis Jones. I don't know what he's like as a human being. I'm just judging on what I saw in this specific game. And I thought he really struggled. Um, hopefully, he doesn't have too many of those games going forward. Guy, another person that really struggled in this game and a player that I thought was as bad as Curtis Jones, I gave him a three as well was Mo Salah. Um, now, we all know when, when Mo Salah isn't too involved in games, we usually struggle. He had 50 touches in this game, which I thought was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's not, we've I've seen, seen worse. ways in the 30s. Though. Yeah. We've seen worse in games where Mo Salah's just not getting the ball and we're like, guys, just at least get him involved. He was being involved in this game. I just thought Kamara had one of those eight nori type games ashley where, young luke shaw yeah, yeah like where they've just played really well against the guy um and obviously we know the weight was on his shoulders this international break 
it didn't work out for him in terms of qualifying for the World Cup, comes back and has to play in an early kickoff game. We don't know what mental state he's in at that point in time. But if there's anyone you're going to back to be professional, it's Mo Salah. He's the most professional player we have at the club, um, in my opinion. I, I'm not having the argument that it's like a James Milner or something. It's Mo Salah. He's the first one in. He's the last one out. He's the most disciplined when it comes to his gym mm. and work ethic. And it's been said at the club, his diet is impeccable. His The weight that he carries on his shoulders and still never really puts a foot wrong. I've, I don't think I've ever heard a scandal about Mo Salah, really. I well, genuinely just, don't think I have. Christmas time. We've heard with our Arabic but, I mean, thunder. Yeah, fair. Yeah, that's fair. It. That is fair. it. But it's not a scandal um, for us, but yeah. Yeah, but fair. That 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 could be lost against him. But yeah, I I think he is the the standard bearer for our club in terms of if we have a model athlete for mm. all of our people to follow. I think it should be Mo Salah. Um, but anyway, I mean, the fact that we have lots of them is a good thing. So it's it's no knock on on the James Milners, etc. But in this game, I I thought he was poor. Um, similar with the decision making to Curtis Jones, where I thought there were times. Where when he should have been passing, he was shooting. When he should have been shooting, he was passing. He has the three shots, which was um, tie for the second most with Bobby Firmino for us this game. But both him and Bobby had no shots on target. Mm. So that's a bit worrying when you look at that. I mean, Jota had six shots, but it, it's Diego Jota. Like, that, that's his job. They're going um, in if it's him. <laughs> yeah, like, Diego Jota's job is just to get shots on target because I... We'll we'll get to him um, with my slight gripe that I have with him, but it, it's a slight one, as I say. But yeah, um, I thought, as the, as I said, coupled with the fact that Kamara played really well and then Salah was a bit off in this game, it was one of those games that he was basically marked out the game. I thought I thought he was ineffective. Um, I don't know if you thought I'm I'm being harsh on that one, but this one, I mean, he didn't even have a cross in this game, Mo Salah. So for me, a three, um, it's very rare that I'm giving most Salah even lower than a six. So as I like to say in the show, I call it like I see it. The players get the ratings that they deserve. They earn those ratings. It's, it's not on me. It's not my fault he got a three. It, it's it's Mo's fault he got a mm-hmm. three. But I'm sure, um, I'm sure he will. It it won't. The the good thing with the most Salahs and especially with like Alison Becker. When let's say Alisson makes a mistake, but let's say if Mo Salah has a poor game, the good thing is I know he can come to the next game and give a 20 out of 10 performance. Like it's not going to be something that's going to weigh on his shoulders um, in terms of that performance. He'll shake it off. He'll prepare for the next one. Um, but yeah, for this specific game, I gave him a three. What did you go what for, for Mo Salah? Yeah, similar story. I went with the four to match Curtis as the uh, worst performer. Yeah. He's just dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Um, I think you got to look at it from a physical perspective. I think, I think it was Cybrundish tweeted out. I think he's played just slightly less for Egypt this season than Bobby has played altogether. Incredible. Which, yeah. Um, so thanks for that. <laughs> uh, he was on for one of the best seasons ever, and now, now he can't run because he's played more football than he should be. Thanks, FIFA. Um, and whoever the hell makes the tournament. But yeah, it, it's just, it's just, it's annoying because we, well, player wise, we could rest it, but we're not gonna. And we probably shouldn't. Because it only takes him a click once and it goes back to being more Salah, best player in the world. 
Yeah. But you're looking like, we should rest you. But we're playing Benfica, then we play Man City, then we play Benfica, then we play Man City, having it Everton or United, then vice versa. We we should rest him, but we can't because it's April and we play every bloody team in the world. It, it's just really annoying. Um, I mean, Benfica probably would be the game to do it because Diaz has played against Benfica, but we don't really have backup for for Mane, uh, for more um, because nobody. Likes playing on the right. I mean, Mane used to do it, but he hasn't done it for three, four years now. Well, maybe even longer. Um, probably is longer now. God, how does time fly in the pandemic? Eh? Um, yeah, it, it, it's just annoying. Like, mm, giving more four feels weird. Like even the games where you mentioned, where we mentioned, say Mane is. Tr- We've had these games in the past. Mane is trying to Superman everything on the other side. It's like. We can't pass to the right, you know. Whereas this time it was like, yeah, you're getting the ball enough and you, you, your first touch was dreadful, your passing's dreadful, your shooting was just not it. It's just, it's really strange. It is really strange. and For me, it has to be a physical. Obviously, physical and mental can be tied together because if you're physically tired, you're mentally tired. Got a contract situation going on, you've got, Stupid journalist saying, "Oh, it's done. It's not done. He's going to Barca. He's going to Real Madrid. He's going to PSG. He's going to retire at Liverpool." We had all them stories in a weekend. I'm sure he gets tagged a million times. Maybe he doesn't really know he's on Twitter or whatever. I feel like I'm kind of making excuses, but I think he is just physically buggered. I think that's where we got to look at it, and it is a shame that if this was September or whatever, you could rotate him well enough, but. It's the home run stretch now, and you can just got to gamble. It'll click back in place for him. But in this game alone, he he was awful. But <clears throat> I don't want to overlook Benfica. But we've played Porto, and we beat. We tend to put five past Porto, so it'd be nice if we could have a game like that. And even if it's like two penalties and a crappy scuffed finish, just get more some goals, and hopefully that reignites it ahead of the City games and second leg and whoever else. Um. But yeah, we, that's kind of what I'm hoping for at this stage. Just one of them games where it reignites him for the uh, home run. But I suppose he has the summer off and, um, we, well, he has the World Cup off if he's still at Liverpool next season. But yeah, it was a dread. It's probably, it must be his worst game in a Liverpool shirt, to be fair. Like, performance wise, obviously he's had worse situations. But performance wise, I've never really seen more like that before where he's actually involved and is that bad. Yeah, and the thing is, usually the bad games for Mo is he's had a lot of chances and he's just missed them. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas this game, that wasn't even the case, really. Mm. Um, so I think that maybe is the more worrying thing. But as you say, it, it's it's all in context of you know everything that's happening in and around him, the season that he's had, the minutes that he's played. You can forgive a performance like this more so when we're still winning. It's okay. Like if we're not winning, it might become a bigger issue. But at the moment, it's fine. And I, I'm, I'm with you in that. I don't see us giving him enough time to rest. So you just hope he can play through this brick wall, um, and and is able to contribute in 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 the games when we we need him to contribute. And and obviously, hoping that he sees that through. Guy, we're talking about contributing when they need to contribute. Bobby and Jota are probably two players that I think embody that. Jota in terms of goals, and, and I hinted to this a little bit earlier when I said I'll, I'll, I'll expand on what I meant there, in that 
you've gone with a seven for Jota. I've gone with a six for Jota, which is weird for someone who scored a goal. But for me, Jota, and, and I remember, I don't know, I think when, when Jota first came to the club, I remember when we, we did this podcast when Kalen was hosting, and I, and I mentioned to you guys, this guy looks like a player that trained when he was younger as a forward because he he he, mm. he he had the movement he had the poacher in the box type finishing and stuff where that these things you can't really teach when the player's older it's something that you grow up learning and and it's now part of your instinct instinctive nature when you play um so i saw that in him but i thought at the very least what we could improve from him is his build-up play I find the ball bobbles off him a lot. It, it, it's a lot of shin work. It's a lot of, um, you know, go, you know, the ball hitting other players and him just because he's, you know, he's, he's short and pacey, you can still get to the ball. It's, maybe it's stylistic that it's not as clean in his build-up play as I would like it to be. So I thought his his build-up play in this game was not particularly good. But as Jota does, and I suppose that's why you play him in specific games is that when when it matters he's going to score a goal and he doesn't just score the mares with 3-0 up and coasting goals he scores the uh we're a bit sluggish today are we going to even put the ball in the back of the net or is it going to be one of those type of games jota will turn up and get you a goal and he did that really well obviously um the run from outside coming in running across the fullback and behind the centre-back, which allows the centre-back not to see you coming. Um, and, and then he can kind of ghost in and sneak in in that way, which which was really well done there. And so, yeah, from a finishing perspective, not too big an issue there. I mean, you can't really complain there. But for me, I think the thing that dropped him a little bit from that seven to the six was everything else but the finishing. I thought he was a bit sloppy. He had those elements that Salah and Curtis Jones had where the decision-making in the final third wasn't as great for him. So so I went with a six. I know you went with a seven for him. Um, and then, Bobby, I'll finish off there. You've gone for a six with Bobby. I've gone with a six as well. Um, I thought it was a harmless performance, if I can say that. Mm. Like, he didn't do anything wrong, and then he didn't do anything too great. Um so yeah, it, it was a six performance. Obviously, Bobby, you know, you're going to get the work ethic. I thought he, of the two between him and Jota, I thought Bobby controlled the ball a bit better, was more, he was more careful with the ball, should I say. And, yeah. and looking at the stats here, I mean, 91% pass rate for Bobby, 74 for Jota, kind of backs that up a little bit. Um, and I thought um, Bobby was making himself available for the ball a lot, which helped us in those situations where Watford tried to, you know, step their game up a little bit um, when they were trying to, you know, hurry us a little. I, I don't know if I can call it a press, but hurrying us a little bit at times. Bobby was usually the outlet ball there because of his movement and and his work ethic. But what, what did you make of the two two's performances? Yeah, I agree with everything you said about, well, both, really. But Bobby, I think, Bobby was there to combine with people, but there was nobody to combine with. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how you got to word it, because as we said, Moore was dreadful, and, and Jota. It may catch up with us at some point, but he's not one for the build-up plays. He, like, there's sometimes he'll dribble past three Arsenal defenders and sit the keeper on his ass, etc. But it's not really a consistent... Or certainly not since his injury. Um... I think his link-up play was better before his injury issues and seeing him got rushed back a wee bit. 
There's little bits and bobs where you look. It's in there. It's in there, but there's the touch, as you say, the bobble, maybe the decision-making where it's like, I am Jota, I will score, kind of goes, it goes on a bit too much. Um, it's a strange one, but yeah, Bobby, I, I think harmless is probably the right word there. I think, he, I, I think I said this, especially in the first half, he was our best forward, but that wasn't saying much. Because, 100%. We keep saying it more, but dreadful, but, and, mate, and to be fair, you, I don't think you can mark Jota down for going, for being that and then scoring. It's like, he was probably the only one who realised, what if I turn the back to crap? I'll just walk in the box and score a header. <laughs> <That's>, but <laughs> it's just, it's just a str- he's such a strange player. Like, he's so deadly with his head and then there was a chance he should have scored with his feet. Um... He's a weird player. I really like. He's really grew on me because, to, to be honest, I'm a big fan of him when he when he was at Wolves. Um, but yeah, he's really he's really interesting player. Um, it was just a weird. It was pretty much a bad game from our front three to be fair. But Jota got a goal. Probably should have got another one, especially. Um, and Bobby was just kind of there waiting for someone to pass around with, but nobody fancied joining in. Um, yeah, it was it was a strange game from us. And I mean, whilst we're on it, Mane didn't really add anything when he came on. So yeah, it, it was probably just one of them games for uh, for our forward line, regardless who was playing. Yeah, interesting stuff for those two. Um, we yeah. So you mentioned Mane, you mentioned Fab. A little bit earlier, you've gone a six for Mane and a seven for Fabinho. I mean, James Milner, I, I didn't give a score. I think he came on 90th minute, so fair enough. I, I see you've not given a score yeah. there as well. Um, that that's the that's the 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 the, the uh, it, like Klopp always brings him on, and unless he's injured, Just Milner is going to come point. on. I know. I mean, he's definitely racking up those appearance bonuses at the very least. Maybe just give him a nice send off, you know, with a fat paycheck towards towards the end of his Liverpool career. But he, it's where yeah, Klopp Klopp likes- a bit. he wants a new contract for Milner at the end of the season. Look, he played thirty five <laughs> times. He's played thirty five minutes. <laughs> I wouldn't. Put him, I wouldn't be surprised if Klopp does that. Would do that. <laughs> he absolutely adores Milner. It, mm. it, it's 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 interesting. I'll leave it at that. Um, but yeah, so talk to me about the other substitutions. We had the 62nd minute sub, Fabinho coming on for Jones. As we said, Jones struggled in that game. Fabinho mm-hmm. comes on, just solidifies everything really, brings that calmness in midfield. Um, and as you say, it allows Henderson to then go to probably the more favoured position for him on that right-hand side mm-hmm. um, as an eight. And then we've got Mane coming on for Salah, again a player that struggled. So the two players that struggled in this game, get them off the field. Um, we were still one nil up at that stage, but comfortable enough, if you can say, in a home game to say, we're bringing on Fabinho and Mane. It's not like we were mm. dropping the, the standard, especially with the way those two were playing. We certainly weren't dropping the standard from that perspective or the quality from that perspective with how they were playing the game. Um, yeah, I, I thought... Mane, he did okay. Um, nothing special. If he played longer, game. you'd probably be like, 
Yeah, man. If, if, he, if he started the game and played like he did, you'd be like, sub him off. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe he so he kept really the standard anything. of yeah. <laughs> he kept the yeah. standard of what was Pretty going much, on. Yeah. The sluggishness, but I mean, um, they had just come from he's, Africa. He's, either. Yeah, he's another one that had a, a, a massive international break, and then obviously Flacco also had an, a, a massive international break. But he comes on, slots the penalty in. I mean, it even hits side netting. When someone hits side mm. netting, you know it's a beautiful penalty. Um, do you think he half thought about taking another Panenka, or he thought, "Nah, let me just let me just show the varied nature of my game here in penalty taking and just bury it in a position that no keeper in the world is going to be able to save." I don't think he can. You do two Panenkas in a row. That's risky. That ah, that's just ultimate disrespect. I mean, Fab's really, the man to do it because he's got a set of bollocks on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe he just saves it for keepers who are bellends. Like Ben Foster's quite likable, so when we if we get one against Everton or something like that, Pickford's getting put on his ass probably. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I kind of wish Fabinho was our penalty taker, but then I remember how I'll have more in FPL hopefully soon again when he forgets <laughs> remembers how to play football. Um, yeah, it, it's just. Regardless of the penalty, he was, he was getting high marks because he came on. I, I kind of mentioned it when we were discussing the midfield. He came on in the game. Just it was just ours. Like we've mentioned that they were offside chances, but there were still chances nevertheless. Um, <clears throat> then he came on, and it was just like the midfield looks. It just looked right. Like we mentioned, we kind of hinted and mentioned as, as we've gone along. It didn't feel like we didn't have a defensive midfielder there. You put Fabinho on there. It's just like. Lighthouse installed. <laughs> it's just he's just there being a beacon of not not today, mate. Um, to all the Watford team when he came on. Um, yeah, he's just he's just it. He's him and Thiago is just it's just the midfield. It's them and Navi when Thiago needs a break and etc. But yeah, Fabinho is he's the only option to start games when against certain quality opposition. To play the six, I probably would have given him a seven anyway. Um, if he didn't, if he didn't have a penalty to score, I, as I said earlier, I probably should have went higher because um, he did score. But yeah, he, he was just spot on when he came on. I think he just locked down the game. And as I said, I think I said it in the um, uh, pre-rate and stuff about the about the game in general. As soon as Fab came on, it was like, yeah, we're winning this. We're winning this, and, and his penalties. Yeah, I think it's 24 out of 25 in his career. I'm sure I saw that on Twitter. and It's just... We need to stat pad that a bit more, as I say. As I say, but... He is probably our best penalty taker, let's be honest. And Get some more. I'm sure Mo wouldn't mind. Get get more new contract, then you can tell him he's off penalties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look... Um, uh, if you look at the score sheet, too, you know, you're thinking comfortable professional performance... Hmm. If you look at the way the game went, there were shaky moments. Mm-hmm. Um, took a while to get that second goal. But nonetheless, the important thing is Liverpool got the three points. Some decent performances, especially at the back with the ratings that have been given. Midfield, up and down. Uh, forwards, shaky as well. Up and down performances there. But at least we had a solid defense. And you know that the adult saying, offense wins games, but defense wins championships. So we'll hold on to that and hope we're giving eights, nines, and tens for our defense going into the rest of the Premier League season. But, Guy, that is going to do it for another episode of Rate Don't Hate. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Um, 
pod well, I'm not sure what I'll be on. Uh I think the next one I'll be hosting. I'll be on two footed on the Friday, and I think it'll be the Man City Cup game will be the next one I'm I we've listed it wrong. I'm not sure if I'm hosting I on it. I'll be on it. I'm not sure what my role <laughs> will be. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Um I'll probably host it just because if I don't host it and we lose it, it'll be my fault. Um, but yeah, that that is uh, I can plug that next week as well, actually. Um, yeah, but I think it'll just be two footed I'm on um, for this week on on the Friday, unless you need a guest for some other pod, which you might ask me um, afterwards. I may come calling. I yes. may come calling. But yeah, from my perspective, guys, um, go follow me on Twitter at tadpredicts. Guy is at guy drinker on Twitter as well. Go follow him, by the way. Um, everything I do will be there. I've got a tad predictable coming out this week that will give the score predictions for this weekend's game week in the Premier League. I was also on the episode that came out yesterday, so Sunday, um, the EPL roundtable where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from around the EPL. We did reviewings, previewings of Premier League games. We discussed the five substitutions and how that affects everyone in the Premier League. We also discussed um, the, the how how good Arsenal and Liverpool have been in not allowing goals this season um, and a whole host of other topics that were discussed there. So that was a good show. But yeah, otherwise, also on Anfield Index Pro, go look out for all the podcasts that come out, especially I, I found I listened to the AR Scouted, which had the Benfica first leg preview. So if you someone that hasn't been watching Benfica this season, um, that's definitely a podcast to go listen to. Just get an idea of what we can expect in that game. And hopefully the Reds come out of that one with a comfortable win, comfortable enough for us to be able to manage our players in that second leg is what I'm hoping for. But from us, guys, we will be back again with ratings from that crucial potential title deciding game against Manchester City at the Etihad. Until then, take care and goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.